Well, here we are again with T. Randolph and Friends. I'm very happy today to have one of my dear friends and a special guest, Don Dukes. Hi, Don. Hello, Randy. How are you? I'm really good. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited that you're here. Yeah, thank you. Um, For those listening, we're going to be discussing grace today, Mm -hmm. G-R-A-C-E, not condemnation, not judgment, but grace. Mm -hmm. And uh, Don is someone I think will have... um, some great words, some encouragement, mm-hmm. some nice words for those who are out there who uh, hear the word grace, and to them it doesn't mean a whole lot, or to them maybe it brings back some memories of someone who said they would extend grace but mm-hmm. but really didn't. Uh, Don, tell me a little bit about who you are. What, what are you doing today, Don? Well, um, right now I'm an assisting pastor at a local church uh, here on Skyline Drive, and I came here from northwest Montana about a year ago at the request of the pastor, who's a friend of mine. And now I am pastoring, uh, assisting pastoring a church, and my wife has a home business, and we have a 12-year-old daughter, so we love it here. Don, where, where are you from originally? I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, believe it or not. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And uh, tell me, I just want a little couple questions about your childhood. How, how many children did you have in your family? Well, I have, um, there's five of us in all, so there's four boys and one girl, uh, three of us originals, and I have two half-brothers. Were you one of the older children? Yes, I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. I knew you were the oldest, because mm-hmm. I'm the oldest, too. Uh-huh. We can find each other. Oh, yeah, always. <laughs> when uh, when you were growing up, where, where, where'd you grow up again in Florida? I grew up in the inner city of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, in Broward County. Okay. Yeah. And when you were growing up, what, what did your father do? My dad was a pastor and community servant guy. He was the director of the inner city Northwest Branch YMCA. He always had a school bus. We're the only family who owned a school bus. And he was responsible for bridging all of the communities together racially. And he also worked for the city of Fort Lauderdale to help people found housing. So he was very, very well known in the community. When your dad, how, how long did your dad do that? Dad did that really since he uh, got out of got out of high school and uh, and community college. So he's been doing that for gosh, like thirty years. He's been doing that. Is your dad still alive? No, he went home uh, to be with the Lord uh, in two thousand, and I officiated his home going, which was which was amazing. When your dad growing up in in that situation mm-hmm. with your dad, did you ever have any times that were more trying than others? Oh, yeah. Uh, we For us, it was more economic times that we struggled with. Uh, it was hard getting jobs and work at that time. Uh, but Dad did whatever he could to keep us going, roof over our head. And they got an interesting. It took a community to basically raise us because they all pitched in to, to help us whenever we needed it. So those were challenging times for us. When you were growing up with your dad, did you ever find that he was constantly giving, but not a whole lot was coming back. Absolutely. Dad would give. He's the type of guy who, if you needed money and he had $20, he would give you 15 and keep five. He was always that way. And there were times that we were lagging because he was helping the community at the same time. And, and I always wondered, you know, God, you know, my dad is giving so much. Why don't you give back to him? But he was always looking to give to others. And that was that was tough to watch him give so much and very little come back. When you uh, when you saw that happen, how did that make you feel? Uh, it made me feel that God was a God of withholding. Um, he 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 gives and he he gives grace and all. Uh, it's not true uh, that God helps those who help themselves. You hear that a lot. But then I begin to think that it was because those who could help themselves better had better. And uh, I felt that uh, we were just servants and this was our lot. 
And so I, and because of that, I never wanted to be a pastor. And when you said you never wanted to be a pastor, was it because you felt that it, it, was a, it was pretty much a thankless profession where you're giving and you're giving and you're giving and um, you're not really seeing the fruit of it or people really weren't, weren't giving you um, the appreciation or really the love back because of everything you were giving? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The big problem that we had in our community that there were churches in competition with each other. They were more concerned about sheep stealing, if you will, uh, who would take my congregation members more so than helping one another. So dad had very few friends in the ministry. And when he did well in the community to to bridge the communities racially, uh, some of the pastors were envious of him, very Mm -hmm. envious and caused him great harm. And because I saw that, I I said, well, heck, I want to work for Federal Express. And uh, I never could get there, but nevertheless, I never wanted to be a pastor because of it. When uh, when you were growing up with your father, can you think of an instance where you saw God's grace at work with your dad or with, with someone that he was in relationship with? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, when my dad first moved to, uh, and we all did, to a little town in um, Broward County called Deerfield Beach, Florida, there's a little church there. And they had only $37 in the bank. The place was beat up pretty bad. Young people were not coming to church. And the grace came in where dad just focused in on community, loving the people, loving the young people. And uh, before he went home to be with the Lord, within within a few years of that, five years of that, uh, we saw many of the young people come back to church. We saw older people coming back to church, families coming back to church. So by the time he left that church, or I should I should say they kicked him out because they were envious of him because of his work. They had $10,000 in the bank. People were coming. Kids were coming. Youth were there. So it was grace and all of that. And, and unfortunately, uh, the sin of, the, of some of the people messed that up for the church. But as far as my dad go, I saw a lot of grace of God in the community and how people came out to support him when he did that work. When when you hear the word grace, mm-hmm. tell me what that means to you. Now what it means to me, because at the time that we're talking about my history, um, uh, grace, I couldn't fathom that. But what it means to me now is there's an acronym for it. Uh, grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. So what it means to me is um, God loving me and giving me when I have nothing to give to him. Me growing up in church and having a father as a pastor and a mom or stepmom as a, a community servant leader, that doesn't segue me into heaven. Uh, it is the grace of God because of who he is, not because of what I can do. And I'm learning that now in my 50s that I don't have to perform in order for God to love me. But boy, before learning this, I was like a seal with a beach ball. I'm just performing in church, performing everywhere uh, for God's grace. And uh, it's, it's all him and, and not what I can do to be good for him to do it. You know, what's interesting for those who are listening, I recently had a study with some friends on this idea of grace. And mm-hmm. I had asked them uh, some questions that I'm going to talk about right now. And one of them was, Why is it that we struggle so much with the concept of grace, unmerited favor, love for love's sake, God saying, I love you before you even know me, people saying, I love you, I expect nothing in return. Why is it so hard for us as human beings to accept that incredible, unconditional, 
overwhelming love that God has for us. Why do we have such a hard mm-hmm. time with that? Well, answering for myself, and I can see with people, is that we we are we are people who have to pay penance. Uh, we we feel that anything good to do with us have to come from our effort. It is something that we have to do. If you don't work, you don't get. So for God's grace, for God's favor, we say, well, okay, God, you're spiritual and and you're big up there. But in order for me to be the top racehorse, I need to perform so that you will look my way. And that is embedded in us ever since we were kids. You see children competing for toys, competing for relationships. Adults, we do the very same thing. It is very hard for us to take in God's love for us and rest in that because there is something that we need to do to get it. And if I'm good, well, I now I see why you give me favor because I'm a good kid. And that's why it's hard for us to receive it. You know, the thing about grace, again, for those who are listening, think about this for a moment. God always says his ways are not our ways. Right. And thank God for that. Right. Because if heaven was designed around what we think it should be, it would be hell. Right, it would. Um, We have this notion that we have to earn everything. Mm -hmm. We have this notion that I'm only good if I earn it. And the problem with that is this. We cannot meet our own expectations. And when that happens, what do we do? I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. I'm no good. Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. No one can love me. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, we self-depreciate. We lower ourselves to a level where we say, no one can love me. I can't give love anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't be loved. Mm -hmm. I want to reject love. And we get into this vicious cycle that the enemy, i.e. Satan, Mm -hmm. wants us to believe, which is you aren't worthy of God's love. God could never love somebody like you. Mm -hmm. And for those who are listening, I want to say something that is one of the most profound, simple truths about reality, the real reality, not what we think it is, but what's really happening, and that is this. God knows everything about you, and he still loves you. Mm-hmm. He accepts you unconditionally. He still loves you. Mm-hmm. And he'll always love you until you're in his arms in heaven. Mm-hmm. Never forget that. Why is it done that we forget those truths? We forget it because we're in, we're in the world of competition. Everything is competition. To, uh, to get in the quickest line at the store. To get in the shortest lane of traffic. Uh, to beat the train across the... Everything is competition. And, and, and because of that, we're even competing for love for one another. When you're in relationships with, with different people, uh, can you bring favor my way if, if I do better here or if I'm better there? Uh, you, you, you tend to think that, okay, well, uh, of course I'm going to have favor. But on days that I'm not doing so great, uh, those are the days that I feel like I'm a failure. How... How is it that most human beings respond when you extend grace to them in some way as a pastor or as a friend or even as a husband or a father? How, mm-hmm. how do you see that at work in, in your life? Uh, I see it at work when you, when you look at people receive it. Uh, sometimes people are surprised. They're just surprised that someone would be kind to them, uh, that someone would extend it. Because people will say something like, well, you know, I, I do really don't want to take charity, charity. Well, uh, that has to do with love. That has to do with giving. And, and, and the attitude is that, well, 
I didn't do anything to earn that. Now, if I did something to earn your grace and charity, then, okay, I can, that's fine. But for you to do something for me or say something to me, to lift me up or to give to me, and I didn't do anything for you, that makes me feel a little uncomfortable. So uh, in, in my life, uh, what I try to do is let people know that you deserve grace in this sense. It's because God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. And because he did that and I received that, that same favor and blessing is for you because as long as you're standing upright and you're breathing, there's hope and there's love for you. So that's how it works out in my life. And at home, my wife and daughter, I love doing things for them to see them blessed because one, uh, husband, father, man as a man to provide and bless them, but also for them as humans, individual people, they need and they deserve the grace of God because they're made in his image. And, and that's a hard concept for people to receive without feeling like, like they have to earn it. You know, in life, it's difficult for some people to even receive grace because mm-hmm. they can't comprehend right. why somebody would give them grace. Right. They feel there's a hidden agenda. Mm-hmm. There must be some manipulative concept behind this grace because mm-hmm. no one would normally do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I were talking to some people recently about the idea of our podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have this big event coming up on October 11th of this mm-hmm. year. Don mm-hmm. will be part of that. Yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, I made it a point when uh, we put it together to tell people that there's no no charge. Nobody's asking for money. Nobody wants any money. It's just a blessing to mm-hmm. give back. There were a lot of people I talked to didn't believe that. Wow. Well, there mu- you must be wanting something. No. You, you must be wanting money. No. Well, who, who, who does that? And my response has been, well, really, God does that every right. single day. That's right. God gives constantly, not asking nor demanding mm-hmm. anything in return, mm-hmm. but delights when his children walk in his ways. That's right. And grace, of course, is one of those things. That's right. The human condition such that we always feel there has to be a hidden thing that you want from me mm-hmm. if you're giving me grace. That's right. We feel that, well, I know this person's being nice to me. What do they want from me? Because it's so foreign to how we do things, right, Don? Yes, it is. It really, really is. When you walk around the world and you see people out there who are broken and hurting, tell me some events where you saw grace help them reach a place where they could be open to a healing message from you or open to um, the opportunity to hear more about the king of the universe. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those events that you've experienced in your life? Yeah, uh, it's amazing that you ask me that question now because that happened yesterday. It happened yesterday. I go to a local uh, eatery uh, slash uh, bar slash 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 sports place where you can go and watch games and all. And there's a family there, and we're all there, and I'm dressed in my Miami Dolphins gear, and, and we have a lot of those, you know. And, and the Westerners were so amazed that there's so many turquoise and white and, and orange shirts around. And, uh, and this one lady whose family was cheering on their, their team and doing these type things uh, came over and said, you know, every time you walk in this place, it's been the third week you've walked in now, that I see a light or aura, if you will. And I said, to really be honest with you, uh, the aura is... Um, 
is really the love of God in my heart. The Bible says that uh, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. That's Christ inside of me. And she said, yeah, I know that you must be a Christian and all. And she said, I, 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 uh, I haven't read my Bible in a while. I have one. We are religious people. And I began to share with her that, you know what? God doesn't want your religion. He just wants your heart. All he wants you to do is open up your heart. He'll come in as he knock, and he'll be with you, and he'll make your heart his home. He doesn't want you guilty. He wants you to receive his grace. He wants you to receive his love. Well, she went and sat down. And she went and sat down, and we're all cheering for our teams. So she's sitting over there, teared up, just the tears going down her eyes. And then she came back over, and we talked a little bit. And I said, you know what, sister, can I say this to you? You have your Bible at home? She said, yeah. I said, I want you to read John chapter 4. It talks about the Samaritan woman. Jesus had to send his disciples away in order for a Samaritan woman to come and sit. And he spent time with her, and he loved her. And he encouraged her. And then she left that encounter and went and told everyone about him. I said, that's what's happening right here in the sports eatery. You know, uh, again, for those who are listening, you know this program's about victory and hope and joy Mm -hmm. in the midst of trials and tribulation. Grace is one of those things, whether you give it, you receive it, you share in it, you observe it. It cannot but affect you in a positive way. So many times human beings, and we've talked about this, one of our statements about the show is uh, listening to life, listening to others. One of the things I recently thought about is when you listen to others, listen carefully because they might be speaking words of love to you. Mm -hmm. We're rushing so many times uh, past the grace opportunity. Mm -hmm. We're rushing past the love opportunity mm-hmm. because I've got things to do. I got to get here. I got to get there. When God's saying, be still, mm-hmm. pay attention and listen carefully because I'm ready to bless you. Mm-hmm. Does that happen in your life? Yeah, it, it happens quite a bit because me, I am more of a community minister, if you will. Like I serve at a local church fellowship, um, but yet they know uh, as a fellowship that Wherever Don is, he's going to be looking to connect with people. As a matter of fact, my ministry, even at the church, is connect to see people get together, know each other, and and, and love each other. So when I take my 68 Chevy to a car show, I use that as a, God uses that as an amazing tool to connect with people. And after you get done talking about the cars and those type things, and you stand with them, you begin to listen to them. And you listen to their, because I love testimonials, they begin to tell their testimonials. Uh, People can argue doctrine all day long, but they cannot argue your testimony. Your testimonial is yours. You were there and they weren't. So when, as we listen and talk with these folks, uh, I find that God uses those opportunities, whether it be a car show, whether it be a a sports eatery place, no matter where it is, uh, even when I don't feel like talking, I don't feel like ministering, I don't, I've been at church, okay, I don't feel like, and, and human beings come and when they stand there, it automatically comes out. God's love for them. And I equate that to God's love for people, not because I'm a good guy. When you talk about this whole idea of God's love for people, for those who are listening, if you're in a place right now where you say, you don't know my situation, you don't understand how bad I've been, you don't know what I've just done, God knows it all. He still loves you. He still accepts you. He still desires a relationship with you. And his grace was so strong that he gave himself 
mm-hmm. to pay the price for everything that the entire world would ever do. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening right now and you feel that there is no hope, you feel that there's no opportunity for you to change your life, start mm-hmm. over again, God is the creator of new beginnings. Mm-hmm. He wants you to have that new beginning. He mm-hmm. wants you to experience his grace. He wants you to experience his love. And when you open yourself up to what he has to share with you, mm-hmm. he'll bring people into your life. He will bring, it could be a stranger at first, but then it'll become your friend. Don and I met total strangers, mm-hmm. but we bonded within 10 minutes. <laughs> it can be that way for you too. You can get out there and walking around, um, talking to people, you can meet somebody in the most unlikely way. It could be at the uh, grocery store, could be at the gas station, could be in the laundromat, whatever it might be. But give yourself a chance to experience the grace that God has for you. Um, I want to ask a couple more questions on this grace thing, Don, mm-hmm. because I feel like this is one of the most important things people can experience in life to help them overcome injuries and trauma and harm. Many people in life, you'll say to them, how are you? I'm fine. They're not fine. They're really hurting, and it's a deep, tragic situation. When you ask the next question, which is, can you go deeper with me? Can you tell me more? People sometimes are resistant but if they feel that you, they can feel the grace you want to extend to them, feel the love you want to give to them, they'll open up and talk. Don, what would you say to people who are listening um, about receiving grace? What would your advice be to them about someone who feels that they're not worthy of love, they're not worthy of grace? What would you say to them, Don? Well, I would say to them that uh, people in your life that God brings into your life, uh, especially if they are kindred spirit, uh, you've seen them around for a while. They've seen you for a while. Don't naturally think that, oh, there is an ulterior motive. Because what happens is, is that our defenses go up. What do you want from me? Uh, how can I help you? It's not that all the time. Allow that person to be a healing agent in your life. Uh, the Bible even says it's iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. And it doesn't mean sharpens to cut, but it means basically to come alongside and help heal wounds and, and help to smooth out edges on us. We, we're not islands. We cannot do this thing called life alone. We all need people that God uses to help us to grow and to heal, to be the people we can be. So if someone would say, well, oh, these bad things have happened to me, Don, you guys, uh, you really don't understand uh, what, what's happening in my own personal life. I would say to them that when the fall of man happened on the earth, when Adam and Eve fell and the fall of man happened, that brought sin into the world. And when sin came into the world, all kind of heartache and diseases came into the world. So it's not God beating up or punishing mankind. We live in a fallen world. And see, and that's why, um, even Jesus said, you know, if you just lift me up, if you talk to people about me, I would bring men unto myself. And when I do that, there's healing. And then the oppression can be taken away. And in the midst of your trial and tribulation, there can be healing in the midst thereof. And that's what I would say to them. When uh, you you were in Florida and you were a pastor of a pretty large church, correct? Well, I, I was one of the assistant pastors uh, of this church. It was a large church. And so there's about 15 assisting 
uh, folks, and I was one of them. How how, how large was the church? Uh, at the time, um, it was about 20,000 people coming pretty, in and out. Pretty big size. Yeah, yeah, pretty big size. When you were part of that, did you feel that uh, even though you were in this big body of believers, that performance was expected of you? Did, did you feel that way? Oh, absolutely. It, it, was a, it was a ministry. Yes, there was grace, of course, but a lot of it behind the scenes was performance-based. There's a lot of performance, so much so that um, I know for me personally, it was hard for me to see Jesus receiving me as I am, aside from salvation without doing some type of duties in and about and around this big church because with man and because of the command structure, there was those pressures put on to perform. And then that even happened in my personal life, in marriage, in raising my daughter. And sadly, I even brought that in my home and my family felt the same way. And it wasn't until God got me out of that that he began to start healing uh, those areas. And that happened just recently. Wasn't that just like a year or two ago? Um, well, yeah, it was It was a little bit longer than that. Uh, it was probably going back into uh, 2004 through 2007 uh, when I was pastoring a fellowship in Montana. Before that, uh, going into uh, 2000, 99, 2000, it was... It was prevalent around. So, so even when you're a pastor, yeah. even when you're out there, quote unquote, doing God's work, oh, absolutely, you're still getting hammered with I have to perform. Absolutely, I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. I need to do X, Y, and Z. Otherwise, I'm not playing the game the way it should be played. Even when you're in that position, right? Yeah, exactly right. Especially when you have a board members, and then when there's money involved and there's purse strings, so you'll get you'll be told, well, okay, well. We're spending money on this, so pastor, make sure you're over here. And, hey, we're doing this, so make sure you're doing that. And it was so much so that I really could not enjoy my personal relationship with God because I was more concerned about board members. The board members' name were mentioned more than the name of Jesus Christ, and I was pastoring a church, and that was not good. It was, um, it was very unhealthy. The Apostle Paul said, Church of Galatia says, you know, if I am working to please men, then I can't please Christ. And I, for me, I found myself longing to be with God in personal relationship and more of a devotional life, more in prayer, more of discovering who I am as an individual in Christ. I found that hindered by doing church work because the church work, you're focusing in on others, 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 others. And I'll be quite honest with you, uh, over the years, because I've been more serving of others, others, all my life, uh, and I turned 50, I'm 52 now, I begin to think back how much more I could have gotten done for me and my family if it wasn't so much of others, others, others. Yes, there's others, but I think for me, there could be an imbalance of that. And even so, there's a hiding in that too. When you're so others-oriented, you don't have to face your own things. Mm, or, that's deep. Yeah, or, or what I would do is that I would put my feelings or my marriage or my daughter on the back burner and, and give them leftovers. And I'm at a place right now that I don't want to do that anymore. And, and even, even, even more honest is um, feeling the regret that I gave so much more to ministry than I did to my family. Now, they hung with me. They love me. We love each other. We're a team. But as I watch my daughter grow up and some film clips of her growing up, I can tell you emotionally where I was 
but many times there was emotionally where I was not because of the face of ministry and, and the regret that I have. So ministry is good. The Bible says God's calling is irrevocable. And if you desire to be a bishop, it's a good thing. And it is. Yet for me, I would feel that it was too much of an, of an imbalance that I couldn't really enjoy my walk with God and my family would, would see that. When you were a pastor and you were giving out to people, did you ever feel grace coming back to you or did people have this idea, well, he's a pastor, he doesn't need grace from me? I have. I, I was blessed with some wonderful, wonderful good friends and uh, kindred acquaintances over the years. And I would say more kindred acquaintances than friends. Uh, to have friends for me, that's a, a real deep thing. Like I'm, I'm new here and I'm developing new friends, which is awesome and a blessing. Uh, I would say uh, for me, um, it was more of ministry to people. They gave the grace where they could, uh, a handshake when they could, encouragement where they could. But at the end of the day, I would have to go home and, and uh, learn that grace from myself with God alone and, and, and my family. How did you learn grace from God alone? Tell me a little bit about that experience or experiences. I would say by keeping me in the ministry when I wanted to bail out. Because there came a time where you said, no oh, mas, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm yeah, out of here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, saying, well, when, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go in about, about when, a when year ago. When did that ago. happen? About a year ago. And when that happened, um, how how strong of a feeling was it? Was it like an overwhelming feeling that I'm just done? I can't do this anymore? I wouldn't say it was overwhelming. I would say I've been coming to that for a while, even months into up to a year previous. I was coming to that. I was I was disenchanted with it. And I said, you know, the, the economic hardship that we're going through here in Montana and, and serving the Lord and, and trying to keep the man face, uh, that's not it's, it's not going to work anymore. I've, 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 I'm done. And when, when I said that, it wasn't too long after that that the pastor of the church that I'm assisting with now, he called me and said, hey, man, just give me and God a shot. That's all. Just, he said, just sell everything and just come. Do it now. That's it. And, uh, and then that's when I uh, got quiet over my Subway sandwich. I was in Subway when he called. And I said, um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give God one more shot at this thing called ministry. How'd you convince your wife to do it? You know, um, he was smart and talked to her. <laughs> oh, he talked to her first? So he you got know, her he, blessing. You know, he talked to me, and then he came and visited us. Okay, so he was doing the hard stuff. Yeah, he was He was doing what, right. And then for her, because my wife, you know, she's no pushover, just like yours. I mean, these people, they're, they're tough. So anyway, uh, they can see things. So he spoke with her, and then he brought us out on a couple of times, being as gracious as he is. And uh, he looked at her and said the word, no, she looked at him and said the word, sold, we're coming. Because... Our home business franchise headquarters is out here. The uh, weather is wonderful. Uh, the families, it's a good church, good family of people. And the community itself is a good community to start over. How so, do you see God's grace being poured over you and your family since you've been here? Since we've been here, I would say, one, uh, uh, the love of our church family. I would say that uh, unassuming people, I tell you what, uh, humble people, serving people, uh, I would say that grace on that also with connections for my wife. Now my wife did the pastor's wife thing to assist. She did, but she's a businesswoman, and she needed to be with business people. 
And now I'm seeing that happen in her life. And I'm seeing my daughter gain some good relationships. We feel like we've been here three years and we've only been here for one. That's how I see God's grace. And there'll be more opportunities economic for us so that we can live here. We can take care of our business. My mom lives in Pasadena. And we'll see good things happen. So I feel that we're, we're in our most blessed place. Very good. You know, uh, interesting, people might be listening. There's a notion sometimes that, well, if I'm a Christian or I'm a believer, I have to be poor. And God's never said that. That's right. God has said uh, it's very difficult for a rich man to go through um, life because it's like a camel going through the eye of a needle, but mm-hmm. you don't hear the next phrase. That's right. Because then Jesus says, with God, all things are possible, That's including right. a camel going through the eye of a needle. That's right. Riches is not a curse. Right. It can be a blessing provided that you own it and you use it the right way That's and you right. don't let it own you. That's right. Uh, so when I hear you talk about the idea of doing well in life and being able to provide for your family, that's all good. And those who are listening, uh, remember, um, when you succeed in whatever you do, uh, and, and let's say, for example, you, you work hard at your job and you have some financial means, those that money that you get, the gifts that you get, all of that's from God because you can use that to help your family, help mm-hmm. yourself, help mm-hmm. others. Absolutely. Uh, so, so Christians who excel, uh, people who excel in life and do well, hopefully with those financial blessings from God, you can use that to enrich others around you. Mm-hmm. And that's all very, very good. Yeah, um, it's a wonderful thing to do that because I would tell people that when people say, hey, you know, I want to give back. I've been blessed. I want to give back. I would say, no, actually, you're not giving back. You're giving forward. That's what you're doing. It's the truth, isn't you're, it? You're blessing forward, and, and Christ is coming back. He loves people, and it's all good. Just bless people, put a smile on your face, and, and enjoy your life. How would you advise somebody to give grace? We talked about how to receive it, but how do you advise mm-hmm. somebody to give it? What, what words of wisdom could you share with our listeners about, about giving grace when they're in a situation and they're about to uh, maybe extend grace to mm-hmm. someone who, who needs it? I would say, um, I've been reading a book uh, by John C. Maxwell called Today Matters. It's a good book. And one thing that he said is that you can't have a bad attitude and love people at the same time. So I would say start by a a change of attitude. Because when you change your attitude, it'll bring latitude. Mm, Interesting. In that it will help you to look outside yourself. And when you look outside yourself and you see others, created in the image of God as you are and you see look into a person's eyes and you see a soul staring back at you there's a compassion that God will give you for that person a person he'll give it to you and then you will see to extend grace and as you focus in on blessing another person or others you'll find that your your spirit is lifted and you'll find that God will boom that boomerang that back around and put a blessing in your life and to start by lifting up your heart first because you had a change of attitude. Um, a couple of questions before we wrap up, Don. When you um, think today, given your history and some of the things that you've been through, if you were going to give um, some words of encouragement to somebody who maybe feels they're in a difficult situation, um, it has a difficult time accepting grace, what would you say to someone like that? I would say to them, I would say to you, as I would say to myself, um, you keep your eyes looking up. Uh, you know, for me, I rely upon the Bible, of course. And in, in Psalm 121, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help is personal come from? 
My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I would say to that person, if you feel like God has forsaken you, you feel that God has forgotten you, you feel that God is like uh, the big guy from the Lord of the Rings, Gandalf, with the, with the big old staff and the white beard riding a white horse and killing elves and stuff. That's not who he is. Uh, he loves mankind. The only thing that he won't do is that he will not touch a man or woman's free will. If you're willing and you give God a chance to heal you, give him a chance to, to work in your life, allow Jesus to, to touch you, not religiously, but relationally, then I want you to know that God will bring healing. And I would say this, um, people say, well, I hate organized religion where religion isn't organized. Because if it were, everybody would be getting along. We wouldn't have so many churches, now would we? So it's not organized. So it's not, that's number one. We want to clear that up. And number two, I'll quote an old pastor who started a, a movement of churches years ago. He said this, that um, religion frustrates because it points the way, but it doesn't give you the power to walk the way. Only your free will, personal relationship with Jesus Christ will give you the power to walk the way. Because remember, who gave Jesus the biggest headaches? It was religious leaders. So I would say his grace is extended when you're willing to come. I love it. Yeah. I want to thank you for coming today, Don. We will will have Don back. Uh, You will see on the website his address and his uh, friendly face and ways to reach Don if you care to call him. So thanks again for visiting us, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you, Randy. It It was wonderful. Thanks for listening to T. Randolph and Friends. Please write to us or check out our website, blog, and conversations at trandolphandfriends.com. We would love to hear your thoughts on topics and guest ideas for future shows. We are listening to life. Listening to life.